Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. Um, let me open in prayer, and then we can get into, the, in, into our study where we're at. Father Yehovah, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for another wonderful Shabbat. We thank you for the change in seasons that you bring upon the earth. And Father, we just thank you for your words and your, your direction that you give us for our lives. And we ask today as we look into those, empower us with your spirit so that we, we can overcome all things that come before us. And Father, we thank you of this season of of Yom Teruah, of you warning us of, of how we need to change on a constant basis, Father, to grow closer to you. We thank you for your patience, your mercy, and your love that you show each and every one of us. And we thank you ultimately that your words became flesh. He has dwelt among us, and we trust his report. That is your son, Yahshua, who's bringing us back to you with the redemption of his blood. Amen. All right. Well, guys, um, as usual, um, the mic is will be out there for comments and, and questions. Be brief and on point, and let's not get ahead of the text, please, so we can all learn together at the same pace. So a real quick, uh, not really, a, a review of actually where we're at in the text in John and the chapter 4, which we will, I'm hoping we will uh, finish chapter 4 today. Uh, so just a, a rundown, Yahshua was in Jerusalem, okay, he, it was, uh, specifically he was at the temple in Jerusalem, and it was the time of Passover, okay, he is now headed to Galilee, but on his way he traveled through Samaria, and in Samaria, in Samaria he met a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Now what's so odd about that in, in a lot of ways is, at the time, there's a lot of friction between uh, uh, the Judeans and the Samaritans. So for him to go through Samaria, was, it was not the typical thing for, uh, for a Jew at the time to do because of that friction. So meeting that woman at Jacob's well, they had an awesome conversation. We went over that a couple weeks uh, there. So... Um, so ultimately, he ends up staying there as well in Samaria for a little bit, but, and that's where we left off, and so that's where we'll pick up. Um, and, the, uh, and those online, thank you for joining us, and if your heart leads you, um, thank you for your contributions and donations to Living Messiah. Say hello. We thank you for being part of this as well. So back to our... our our story here. And John 4, we're going to pick up at 4, uh, 43. And after the two days he, he, um, after the two days he left there and went to Galilee. He was just in Samaria. For, uh, for uh, Yeshua himself witnessed that a prophet is without 
appreciation in his own country. Therefore, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival, for they also went to the festival or the feast as well, which would have been Passover. And Yeshua came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And there was a certain noble nobleman whose son was sick in uh, Capernaum. When he heard that Yeshua came from, uh, from Judah or uh, from Yehuda or Judah into Galilee, he went to him and was asking him to come down to heal his son, for he was about to die. The one thing I want to say right off, in looking at this text or this sections of text, I may not have an ultimate point. <laughs> I'm going to share some awesome things here. But I think what, what I do share is enough for you to go out, and maybe that's the whole point. You finish some of the things I show you. You finish the train of thought that um, I'm showing you that's uh, in the text here, in this specific text. And I'll show you why, and it'll make sense. So... Anyhow, this, this section, the, a prophet is without appreciation in his own country um, or honor in his own country. So remember, what what's this means? Um, where, where is Yahshua from? This is a trick question, by the way. Everyone, most of the time, oh, he's Nazareth. Well, he grew up in Nazareth, all right? And I would suggest, I think Nazareth, um, the, I think in Nazareth, the, what would you call it? Uh, the religious atmosphere was somewhat lined up with the authority coming out of Jerusalem, all right? But ultimately, remember, Yahshua was a Jew, okay? He was from Judea. And it's interesting that you see this phrase pops in here right as he's leaving Samaria, Okay? So he was a Judean. Now, remember in the beginning of John 2, where it says this, and he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, I think it was his own brothers from the tribe of Judah, okay? Obviously, we see he wasn't very well received in those circles. In Galilee, yes, maybe more, but he was still rejected a lot up in Galilee area as well. But here in Samaria... What I think is kind of interesting, after him making this comment, and you know, and then with this, whole, he his his own did not receive him. I think that's a twofold thing. Not only for the, I believe we can view it as not only oh Judah did not recognize him, okay, but I think ultimately the twofold is in there, you know, humanity rejected him as well. All right, so not just Judah, okay? So I think a lot of humanity we can put in there as well. So it wasn't just the Jews, and it wasn't just Israel, including the tribes, uh, you know. But that's for you to decide. That's just something that I'm seeing that I saw here. So here's something else in uh, Cana, where he went. Remember, he changed the water to wine, uh, the water to wine at a, a feast that was there. Off the top of your head, can, rem can you remember who else was from this town? It's, you have to go back a little bit there in John. Just yell it out there if you know it. If you remember who else? 
His hometown is Cana. No, not Jacob. No one? Nathaniel. Remember way back, Nathaniel was one of the first followers, anyone that says, you are the king of Israel, you know, because he saw him under a fig tree, and we talked about the messengers ascending and descending, and how Yeshua took that, that concept that was in, in Genesis, where Jacob had his head and saw the, the gates of heaven, where the angels were ascending and descending, but Yeshua turned and said, you will see the messengers ascending and descending on the Son of Man, meaning on me. So, I think that's kind of interesting um, in that aspect as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on here. Uh, a prophet without his own uh, um, appreciate in his own town. We cover a little bit of that, but we'll, we might revisit that here. So we have this, uh, I lost my place. We have this nobleman here, okay? His son, um, his son is sick, and he wants Yeshua to come from uh, to come down to uh, Capernaum to heal him. Now, there's also, um, in, in Matthew and in Luke, we have this, another story out of Capernaum, okay? But it is a captain and his servant. Like this captain wants him to come, Yeshua to come and, and heal his servant. But here, it's a nobleman's son, and I believe they're two separate stories, okay? So, because in Matthew, it says this, and this is the same. It reads somewhat really close to the same in Luke as well. It reads this, and Yeshua uh, had entered Capernaum. A captain came to him, appealing to him, saying, Master, my servant is lying in the house, paralyzed, grievously tortured. Come you know, come down. So, so that is a different situation, I believe, here, because we have a nobleman, and it's his son, not his servant, okay? So a prophet is without no honor his own country. This comment is, obviously, as we're looking at, he's leaving Samaria. And the difference, I think, is very powerful in Samaria, Guess what? He didn't do any kind of resurrection. He didn't do any healings here in Samaria. But he got some of the Samaritans to believe in him because of what? Everything that he said. He didn't do any miraculous things here. And yes, you might want to say, well, he kind of knew maybe this woman in more intimately than anyone else. Okay, but there was no healing of no 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 one raised from the dead, no one got healed, no other type of thing. It was just the five books of Moses that he convinced them that he was the Mashiach, that he was the Messiah. And then he makes this comment, you know, those in my own country are not appreciated. So you got this somewhat, there's this foreigner idea going on here. A group of people who, who just by those five books, Messiah's deeds and what he said, accepted him and accepted that news. They believed what he spoke of. And I think that that's very important because there's, there's a lot of other texts later on. He says, you know, blessed are those who do not need to see things to believe. So you can see 
most of us in our whole life, we're not going to have huge, big miracles in our life, okay? We don't see that. Messiah didn't heal every single person that he went around. The thrust of who he was and what he did was his deeds, acting out, walking out the Torah, and what he said about the Torah directing you in your lives. So we can't be a people that we need to see this happen and this happen. And I'm not saying there is not signs that the Father tells you to look for, but what I see most of the time in our Bibles is change your behavior, do what I say, and you have life. Okay? And a lot of times we hear just the, that, the, opposite, the opposite of that within our believing those who uphold this book. Okay? So let's go on with this story. And Yeshua said to him, if you people do not see signs and wonders, you do not believe at all. Okay? The nobleman said to him, Master, come down before my, my child dies. Yeshua said to him, go, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Yeshua spoke to him and went. And while he was going down, his servants met him and reported, saying, your son lives. And then he asked them the hour in which he became better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the inflammation left him. And then the father knew it was the same hour in which Yeshua said to him, that's the third time, your son lives. And he himself believed in all the household. Again, this is the second sign that he did when he came from, from Judah, from, uh, from Judah into the Galilee area. That's pretty powerful here. And like I said, I might not have a perfect, um, a perfect, complete thought. So I'm just going to share you some of the things I came across here. So this, this idea, signs and wonders, you do not believe at all. Then the other one is your son lives. So let me show you what I have been looking at uh, and maybe understand more of what's going on in the text, okay? Because what I'm doing, like I've, I've been trying to show you, I've been trying to go back and because I'm coming from my personal belief, I'm coming from the idea that everything that Yeshua is doing and saying, it's been established already, and he's here to emphasize it and bring it more to life, okay? So, so I'll show you what I've been, I found. I've been uh, trying to step back to take a, and take a look at it in, in its larger context. And by that, what I mean is the Old, Tem uh, the Old Testament gives us the context to see things deeper in our Messiah, okay? I'll... Um, I'll try my best to show you what I'm, uh, how I'm thinking or what I'm going to show you. So, so what I did is this. A prophet has no honor in his country, uh, no belief without signs and wonders. Your son lives. So I'm kind of focusing on these things. These things, let's consider, and then consider them in the history of God's people. Consider them in the history of Israel. Consider them in the history of the Bible and the text itself. Okay, before the New Testament, okay? And that, actually, that brought me to this, <laughs> the prophet Elijah, of all things. And I'll show you, it's kind of neat. I saw one little footnote in one text, and I was looking at that. And all of a sudden, I looked at this, looked at that, and I was like, oh, 
there's, there's, again, there's this cool thing going on here. So the prophet Elijah or Eliyahu, okay? Um, and remember, Eliyahu, the prophet Elijah, his name means my Elohim, my God is Yahuwah. Woo! That is powerful just right there, okay? That makes a statement in his name right there. He's declaring really his character, who he's coming out in his name. He's telling you right off, my God is that one, the creator of all the universe. Now, remember Elijah, some of the awesome things in his life that he did. So why is Elijah considered a great prophet? That's the question I ask myself. Okay, I know some of the stories, but why do you, even Judaism considers him up there? He, he's always in prayer. That's one thing I found in my short study of looking into his life. Okay, he was young. And he was a nobody. Nobody knew him. Like that carpenter. Oh, he's the son of Joseph? He's a nobody. Kind of some similarities there, right? Sounds like someone that we know. He had a great trust in Elohim, okay? Um, and that comes from because he re resisted other men that we see, okay? And their gods and their belief system. Okay, his mission was considered to be, I would see, his mission was to unify the kingdom. Okay, that was one of his huge things that I saw. Unify both houses, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Okay, um, and ultimately, you probably know some of, his, some of, some of the stories. His, he had an odd death, so to speak. All right, he was taken up, okay? So he, and so that's very interesting. He ultimately had a heart for people to repent, okay? That was on his heart. Uh, we can see that in his lives. He's one of two prophets in the Old Testament, as far as I, I can remember, and Jerry, you can correct me if I'm wrong, he's one of two prophets that raised someone from the dead, and the other one was his apprentice, Elisha, if I'm right, was the other one. And that's pretty, that's going to be, see, the stage is set for Yeshua. And I'm trying to set the stage when Messiah makes some of the comments he does, especially if it's in the context of that last prophet that spoke in Malachi. Malachi spoke of one in the spirit of Elijah. So the one that they were waiting for had power like Elijah. So that means whatever prophet's going to come next, he better have a lot of power. Because Elijah had power, and then Elisha, Elisha, uh, right? Uh, his, the apprentice wanted it seven more times than Elijah. And he did get it plus seven. So that means we've got to have someone that has at least 21 times the power from Elijah. Right? Uh, that's just me thinking. And I think we did get someone that was even more, more powerful than that. So ultimately, the heart for the people to repent. Um, here's a question for you. Who, who was he sent to? I believe he was talking to all tribes, but 
I see that he was specifically sent into a particular area. And that was the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel to those people. Okay? Because there's a lot of awesome stories you've got to go read about him and uh, Ahab. Was it Ahab, Jerry? Ahab at Mount Carmel with uh, Jezebel, that whole thing that went on. He had, it's amazing, he made a showdown. Okay? And why I'm telling you all this about Elijah, because Yeshua refers back to Elijah to make a point to who he's talking to in his day. All right? So you have Elijah, uh, the showdown with the, the prophets of Baal, all right? Builds that altar, puts water on it, and, you know, and he says, you guys, you prophets, 450 of uh, each uh, of Baal and Asherah, I believe, you, you know, they came danced around all they did, no fire from heaven, because Elijah at that time, because he was praying from the Father, gave him the power to say, you know what, no rain is going to come on anywhere. So you had this whole showdown, and now this is the kicker that's in here. Okay, this is a special thing that I, in searching it, I never saw this before. Not, it was an awesome thing, because the fire came down when Elijah called and prayed at the time of the sacrifice, came down, lipped up, lipped up all the water and everything like that, okay? I know I'm really paraphrasing, but what was behind what I thought was kind of interesting, because Ahab, the king of Judah, he married, it was his wife, Jezebel, who brought in all these prophets. She was part of the priesthood and whatever. That was her belief system. That belief system, okay, um, it was sexually charged. I'll just put it that way. Okay? However that belief system was charged in that manner and some of the various acts and things that would go on to make it rain. Because that was their Baal was the god that was the god of the weather with the lightning bolt and everything like that. They called and called. And see here, the, <laughs> a man said, you know what? Yahuwah told me to pray, and I tell you, there's not going to be any rain. And when that fire came down, it showed ultimately to those who were there, they're like, oh, okay. His God's controlling the weather. Now rain comes down. Rain didn't come down there. And so you see, that was a lot that was behind there. And what was interesting, too, after all that, of those people that are present saying, truly, Yahuwah is the God, and there is no other, all right? People didn't change. <laughs> Even this awesome sign and wonder come down, people did not change their behavior, which is kind of interesting. So you had Ahab in between two places, in between Yehovah, Yahuwah, and Baal, back and forth. And it even says, choose which one you... You know, you're in between two points here. Either go with Baal all the way or Yehovah. But you've got to choose. There is no in-between. So that gives us a little uh, rundown. And why that's important, because of how Yahshua plays into the story. I want to go back to Elijah about this raising of the dead thing going on. Check this out. 1 Kings 17, 21. And he stretched himself out on the child. This is right after, This is in the midst of the famine. People are starving. No food. Ready to... They know their, their life is over. There's nothing. 
No rain has come down. And guess what? Elijah's not very popular at this point because they're kind of figuring out, yeah, Elijah's the one who called no rain. I hate this guy. Right? And he's, he's this prophet of this other God. Anyhow, so, and he stretched out, so he comes to uh, this point in the story. It's in the midst of this. And he stretched out himself on the child three times, and the child the child cried out to Yahuwah and, and cried out to Yahuwah and said, Oh, Yahuwah, my Elohim, my God. That's like his name. <laughs> Isn't that weird? My Yahuwah, Elohim. Because remember, Elijah is my, my God is Yahuwah. It's like he's kind of calling out his own name to the Father. That's kind of cool. I pray that let the life of this child come back to him. And Yahuwah heard the voice of Eliyahu, Elijah, and the life of the child came back to him, and he lived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said this. There it is. See, your son lived. Remember, we just saw Yeshua said that three, it was mentioned three times in the text around Yeshua. And then the woman said to, uh, to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of Elohim, that the word of Yahuwah in your mouth is true. So what's the connection going on here? I would suggest to you, Elijah had to pray. And th that's wonderful. But we have a prophet that didn't have to necessarily pray. Not that he didn't, but there was a little bit difference. Luke says this, Luke 4, 36. And astonished, this is about Yeshua. And astonished came on all, all, they, all, and they spoke each one another, talking to each other, saying this. This, what is this word? That with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Basically, short form, Yeshua just said it and it happened. He didn't have this. I'm not saying that he didn't pray. All I'm saying is he was going around, your son lives. Elijah had, there was a little bit difference. Well, I'm, what I'm trying to point out, there was a lot more power in this prophet, Yeshua. And granted, yes, he was praying. He was walking the walk. He was doing everything that his father said. But we see there was much more power in Yeshua than there was of any other prophet, especially the greatest, one of the greatest prophets, Elijah. Joe. Not only was this a miracle, but other uh, episodes in Scripture where... Uh, the disciples uh, did miracles. Uh, one guy fell out of the window and was dead and uh, brought him back to life. Uh, I look at these at God's object lessons. And every one that uh, the disciples, as far as I know, they prayed before they acted. And uh, when Elijah said, see, your son lives. And then... The woman said to him, now, this, now by this I know that you are a man, Eileen, and that the word of God in your mouth is truth. So the object of this was realized when it was uh, 
evident that what the word was is truth. It's an object lesson. Yes, awesome. Thank you, Joe. So let's keep in mind uh, what's going on here. So like what Joe was saying, you know, the woman said, you know, uh, you know, you're, the word of Yahweh in your mouth is truth. Okay? Now why this is important or why I believe it is important, like I said, this is the, at the time of Yeshua, Elijah was a huge prophet, and he's still a big prophet, the most powerful, I would say, all right? So let's keep that, keep that mindset where we're at. And I won't, I won't read Malachi 4, you'll see, well, let me read this, because this is, this is the people at the time in front of Yeshua, Malachi was the last prophet. Okay, and like I said, it, it talked about Elijah, the spirit of Elijah. All right, it says this, um, and this is the very last verse of Malachi, Malachi 4. 4. Remember the Torah of Moses, hmm. my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, laws and right rulings. See, I am sending you, Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of Yahweh, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts to the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with utter destruction. So what I want to just focus on this whole point here is it was uh, Elijah was a very prominent prophet that was to come or that whole concept. So at the time of Messiah, Elijah was... You know, that was big on their minds. Now, let's go here. And hopefully this will start coming together a little bit here. Luke 4 speaks of this. And he came, he came to Nazareth, his hometown, so to speak. You know, not where he grew up, he, you know, but where he hung out. Uh, where he, no, I'm sorry, where he grew up, but ultimately he was still Jew, okay? He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And according to his, to his practice, he went into the congregation, the assembly, all, um, on the Shabbat day and stood up and read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which was handed to him. And having uh, unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of Yahweh is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. What's the good news? It's the Torah and how to walk it out. Okay, and yes, there's much more to it as well. He was sent to me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and recover and recovery of sight to the blind, to send away the crushed ones uh, with, with a release, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahuwah. So that's uh, Isaiah 6.1, him reading this. Now, it's kind of interesting, that, you know, uh, then it goes on. He says this, today the scriptures have been, filled, been fulfilled in your hearing. And then it's, this is kind of cool. This is a side note, real side note. And he says, they said to them, remember, um, is this not the son of Joseph? Just a carpenter, a nobody? We know him, but all of a sudden, what he's talking about. And it also could be understand, can this be Ben Yosef? Hmm. But anyhow, they were pleased at first. Okay, but they quickly turned on Yeshua. Okay, all these stories play a part here, so follow me along. So Luke 4, it goes on, and he said to them, No doubt you shall say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. 
whatever we have heard being done in Capernaum, that's where we're talking about that nobleman, come down to Capernaum, heal my son. Capernaum, do also here in your own country. Well, there's a kind of demanding here. Give us some signs and wonders like we hear that you're doing over here. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country or his own homeland. So he's making this same comment back here as well. So it must have been a popular phrase that he was using at the time. I, that's what I would suggest. But truly, I say to you, many widows were in Israel in the days of Eliyahu, who we just read about, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, three and a half years, okay? And there was a, a, there was a great scarcity of food in all the land. And Eliyahu was sent to none of them but this one woman. Three and a half years, famine everywhere, the greatest prophet, all right, didn't heal anybody but one person. And I think this was a foreigner. So that's what Messiah is, when he's speaking this parable, you're going to say this, he's calling them out. It's like, you know what, guys? Yeah, you're so great. You know all these prophets, and you do the walk. You do all that. But someone's greater here. Because don't you remember? Remember the condition that you guys were in? Only one person was healed from, raised from the dead. And granted, I'm, now we have another prophet here. He's done that quite often, and he's going to raise a lot from the dead and himself. But the condition of the people, only one person was raised from the dead. They had this issue with idolatry, all these other things that they were doing, not adhering to the Torah. And they're saying, give us a sign, give us a wonder. But you believe Eliyahu, the great prophet. I'm doing much more in your face than Eliyahu. And I can't convince you. You see, to me, the weird dichotomy that was going on there, how I see that what Yeshua was pointing out. That's for us today, too. It's so much for us today, too. We got our Bibles. We got Yeshua. Let it not be condemning to us, that we have, just because we don't see maybe miracles in our life, we don't, I welcome them, that's great, but we shouldn't, we don't need them. You don't need them to trust who he is. We have the words, we have his witness, and if you actually walk these things out, there comes the miracles you'll see in your life, all right? If you cease and try, if you behave the way he's asked, it's, it's amazing. I've seen it in my own life. I'll use a small example on one way or the other. Yes, we have to live within this world, but we don't have to be them. All right? So if, if you have certain temptations and you have certain struggles, whatever they might be, I'm just going to use one. If it happens to be alcohol, not that alcohol is bad, but if you know it's bad for you, don't drive by the bar on the way home, okay? It's a simple thing that you start living. You, you, 
you know, you can internalize in your life and the way you walk. And there's many, many others, but I won't go. I see, is it you, Paul, or John? Sorry. I just have a comment about the no prophet is accepted in his own country. I think that's not really confusing why that's the case, because prophets are usually telling the people they're prophesying to, hey, man, you guys aren't in alignment with Scripture. You're not doing what the Father is telling you to do. They don't come and say, oh, you guys are doing great. This is awesome. God just wanted to come by and say, you know, hey, everything's doing good. Yeah. So, you know, the prophet isn't about so much prophecy or, or, you know, predicting great things. It's if you don't follow these things, like the house of Israel, if you don't follow the Torah, bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah. No, thank you, John. And my point here, and uh, mentioned because it meant it speaks. Yeshua says this too. You know, uh, you white, you make all these tombs of the prophets, nice and beautiful, and you uphold them and everything. You, you know, in some sense. So on one hand, you you lift the prophets up, but you don't do anything that the prophets said. Right. You just glorify the image and the idea rather than doing what the prophet has said. And Yahshua, to me, he's, com- he's coming on the scene and showing you all those things that you've been lifted up, all that we see in Scripture is pointing to me, me. You know, I just think it's, it's awesome what he's got laying down here. And Joe, and then we'll continue on here. Who was this woman in verse 26? What's her name? Uh, I don't think it gave a name. There, okay, she did. but she was a woman. She yes. was a widow. Yes. Okay. Isn't it just like God who chooses the foolish things to confound the wise? And uh, thinking about uh, earlier about the woman of Samaria and a woman, uh, a nobody. And then God chooses her to be another object lesson of his grace. and Exactly. And Yeshua is gaining from that. You see what Yeshua is doing. He's using what was written before to show who he is and what he's doing. So, so what was done to the prophets before? Let's not do the same things because they, they murdered the prophets. They killed the prophets. They didn't want the prophets. Then a generation goes by, whoa, wonderful, great prophets, but we're not going to listen to the prophets. We were just, you know, great martyrs care about the message and what, how they wanted us to change our lives, you know. And we see that so much in the world today. You got, I don't even want to get under them. But anyhow, so let's continue. Luke 4 goes, and many lepers were in Israel at the time, Elisha, uh, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except one again, Nahum. So even Elijah's apprentice prophet, how many lepers did Messiah? He healed, what, 10 at one time? All right? And he's trying to make a point here to the people. You know, Elijah, when he, he was seven times more, the mantle was seven times more on uh, his apprentice, and he only healed one leper. And he's still a great prophet known to Israel as well. But he only healed one prophet. Guess Nahum. Who was Nahum? It's he was a foreigner. <laughs> Another foreigner accepted. 
he took it a little bit. It took him a while, and I think there was a little bit in this other woman too. There was a little, because Nahum, like, I could have dunked myself up in a, a river up here in my hometown. Why do I have to go down here into the filthy Jordan to do this? You know? So, but the point is, he did go through with it, and he became healed. And it was a young girl that even told, hey, uh, Nahum, I, I heard of a prophet that you should go to and get healed, heal your leprosy. So that's kind of interesting. And raising up from the drove. Uh, then it goes on. Remember, he's in Nazareth. He just got reading the book. They're so happy that he, what he just read, all right? And they're like, maybe they're saying, yeah, Isaiah, great. Yes, we're looking for that day. And he says, today has been filled in your ears. And maybe they, you know, they were joy, but they're going to turn on him. This boy's really prophesied. This is, this is Joseph. What's he saying now? And those in the congregation, when they heard this, were filled with wrath, okay? And raising up, they drove him out, to, out of the city and brought him to the, the, the edge of the cliff of which their city was built in order to throw him down. But he passed right through the midst of them, went away, and he came to Capernaum a city in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath, on the Shabbat. So to me, you see the bits and pieces that I'm seeing, how these stories intertwine and how Messiah is using the text to prove his point and at the same time maybe call even us out on the carpet of where we're at and how we may change. So they didn't like what he said. Maybe when they realized that he was serious, (laughs) okay, I don't know. That's my projection, that he was serious and prophesizing, they turned on him. So the, it seems a lot of the times, it seems like the foreigners or those who sometimes were foreign to the ways and not maybe in the mind, maybe knew what, but stuck in some kind of um, sinful lifestyle. Not all of them, okay? Being born was more accepting to the message that Yeshua had and wanted that redemption, you know? That doesn't mean everybody, but, but it's interesting. And that whole other point where saying, you know, unless you see miracles, you're not going to believe at all. So we have three minutes. And like I said, maybe finish my train of thought. Maybe it now becomes your train of thought, and it's your duty to go finish that. I don't have a bam, boom, end of teaching, you know. So, but I think it's so, to me, it's so wonderful to, for me, I, I'm getting a lot out of it because I'm trying to go back to the Old Testament. Everything the Messiah says, we can find a trace of it and what he's relating it to in the Old Testament. And there it becomes deeper. And my whole goal, or even living Messiah's whole goal here is, you know, we come together, try to be edify each other. We come together to lift each other up, 
and ultimately we come together so we can start changing our lives accordingly. That's important. And that happens with community. Joe. It's interesting to read uh, when the, the lepers was cleansed that those in all the congregation, when they heard this, they were filled with wrath. Why were they filled? It seems like they would thank God for this man being healed. And I always thought that uh, verse 29 was kind of sense, but rereading it, and rising up, they drove him, the man who was healed of leprosy, and brought him to about the hill, and they were going to kill him. And, uh, but God, he passing through them. I always thought that was Hashua that was uh, being driven out of the, the valley. It might be, you know, I might be looking at this wrongly, but... No, it was Yeshua. They were... But they didn't it's, want to hear it's interesting. Message. Why were they all up filled with wrath? Because God because did Because of what thing. he said. What he was using this point here in Scripture. He was saying, you know, I tell you today, what he read in Isaiah is being fulfilled in your ears. But I tell you, you guys are going to turn on me. You know? And then he goes back here. You know, you're, you're upholding these prophets. You're quite aware of all these prophets, and you haven't changed your life. And he's, that's what he's saying by quoting this. Remember Elijah? He only healed one, he only rose one person from the dead. He wasn't sent to anybody but her, and she was a foreigner. So he was bringing back to their, to their minds where they have messed up. And this is the t time of repentance. For us, our Father is bringing to our minds the places that calling us out where we have failed, where we must change our lives. And let's not be this and push Jesus, Yeshua, off the cliff because he's telling us that we need to change some things in our life. That's what they were doing. We don't want to repent. Get rid of this prophet. We don't want to repent, you know? So that's what he's doing. And then we'll close after this. Yeah, I'm just thinking you keep talking about the um, Yeshua, the prophets. It seemed a lot of times they were working with people who were foreigners. I think of Yeshua with the Samaritan woman. She was not part of the Jewish faith. She was a Samaritan. But a lot of times those who are in the traditions of, you know, I'm, I think of mainstream church, which we came out of. If you're stuck in your traditions, if you're stuck in your ways, it's a lot harder to accept the truth to pull out of it as someone who is lost, someone who is in a, a, a leper, um, even in today's yes. society, a leper of society, they're seeking more, they're looking, they're looking for a way out of their situation. So I think it's, to me, it's more prophetic on the, who those people are and where they're at. They are seeking, they're looking for it. It's there for everybody, but not everybody's looking for it at the time. Uh, going back to you know, uh, the scripture where a lot of people read it as, you were chosen, but some translations say, translations say, you choose. Everybody's given opportunities. Yeah. Are you choosing to follow the right way? Not that is awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So let me, I have to close. And next week we begin chapter five. Father, you help all, we give you great thanks. And Father, help us to recognize our, the wrongs in our lives. Forgive us for the, our backslidings and our our sins against you and your name. And Father, help us to change yourself. Empower us with your spirit because we do trust your son, Yahshua. 
We trust that he has died and he is at your right hand now as well. That you raised him from the dead and he took our place and he is bringing us closer to you. We thank you for that love, Father. Again, we give you great thanks. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. Those online, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. Shalom, everyone.